And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. Welcome back for another episode of the Startup Hustle. Today, we're going to talk about NFTs, which are all the rage these days. Very excited to talk to our guest today, Mario. And before we before we do that, um, I want to take a quick second and say thank you to Fullscale, who is our sponsor today. Um, as you as you are, most of you probably already know, Fullscale can help you build a software development team quickly and affordably. So, Mario, um, before we started this, it sounds like you're a, a world traveler, and uh, which is is super interesting to me. So, Mario Nof screwed it up. Dang. Yeah, no, nah, you got it good, man. You got it good. It's it's awful with an N. So Mario awful. Yeah, man, I I, I travel uh, I travel a bit too much, man. Too much. So so you know, really excited to talk about NFTs. You know, there there's a lot of uh, hype and and you know just talk about NFTs. Like I'm looking through my news yesterday, and there's something about how you could buy like bored apes or crypto punks or something on eBay for fifty dollars each, and and I just wonder for like. You know how many people actually try and buy those on eBay for fifty dollars and and don't realize they're they're you know for sure getting scammed, and but to kind of start this conversation, I'd love to hear your thought on like what what is an NF what are NFTs like what is your kind of viewpoint on that just as a starting point? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually opened up eBay because I want to check later. I, I've heard <laughs> of this, I never checked it. That's insane. Um, but look, the the definition of NFTs, even people within the space within crypto. They don't understand what it is. And and it's going to surprise the audience. It will surprise you that NFTs mean don't mean what everyone thinks it does. Because NFTs are not collectibles in art. They're not. No, collectibles. They're a unique so, token, right? Exactly. So so NFTs, is a, the best way to describe it is a technological evolution that allows you to own things on the web. Now, when you understand this, and for entrepreneurs listening to this, when you understand the, the definition I'm going to give you now, it will open because I know how you guys think. I, I've been an entrepreneur all my life, and the way I think is, you know, I, you know, when an opportunity when it when it hits you, you know, your eyes just widen up. I'm like, holy shit! Like I can do this, I can do that. You're gonna get one of those moments now. So, NFTs allow you to own something in, in on the web. What do I mean by this? Well, you own the podcast, Mike. You guys can't see us, but you know, I own the phone next to me. I own the AirPods, the laptop, the headphones. Um, they're mine, the clothes, the suitcase. And, and as you said, Matt, I'm a world traveler. So I'm, I'm in Morocco now, I'll be in Dubai in a couple of days. And wherever I go, these things I own, my identity, my stuff, they're mine. Whether I have a car, whether I have a house, it's my stuff. And that's just the way the earth works. On earth, for hundreds, for thousands, for tens of thousands of years, humans have always owned their own assets. Even animals own their own assets. You know, a lion wants this meat to be his. He's got this territory. So the concept of ownership is normal in our life. And entrepreneurs, you know, all the businesses we build, a lot of them are based on the concept of owning something. Whether you own the e-com product you're selling, whether you're offering a service for a business that allows people to own X, Y, Z. Now, on the web, since the internet has existed, you actually couldn't own anything digitally. We definitely don't own our data and everybody takes our data and, and, you know, profits from it. That's for sure. Yeah. You don't own your data. You know, YouTube for videos on YouTube, YouTube says you own it. You don't actually own it. Instagram photos, Instagram says you own it. Money. The bank says you own that money. If the bank, you know, I was in Lebanon two days ago, seeing one of our clients for two days and in Lebanon and in Cyprus, it happened. It happens now in Ukraine and, and have a similar issue in Russia. Banks are just freezing people's assets in Lebanon, right. man. It's insane. They just... The the, the 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 bank completely froze. You know, people had millions in the bank. My client lost a fuck ton of money. He was just sitting in the bank, and the bank just froze it because the economy took a dump, um, for various reasons. They were very leveraged, so it's not you don't own those. You know, um, when it's sitting numbers on the web. Now this is we kind of digress, but when you have numbers on the web on the internet, 
the 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 you know anyone can copy your image anyone can copy your video anyone can copy numbers on a screen and pretend they have money but there's middle parties that say you own something instagram says you own photos youtube videos a bank says you own those numbers online so there's always been middle uh, third parties saying who owns what now because it wasn't technologically possible to have this the you know to have something in your pocket like you have in the physical world that's changed in 2017 in 2017 the concept of non-fungible tokens came out nfts non-fungible tokens which essentially allows someone to own something without a third party saying they own it and that opens an incredible world to us and well beyond uh, collectibles and art because they they're nothing you know I, I don't collect anything i don't like art i don't know about you man but I, i'm sure if you look at everything you own collectibles and art are a very small percentage of it and i'm sure the audience would would relate to this if you're entrepreneurs you probably have no you know nothing collectibles and art most of you so why is collectibles and art taking up you know all the hype in nfts well that's just short term when you start to understand that nfts could allow you to own your own gaming assets on a game on a decentralized game or allows you to own financial instruments without a financial institution in the middle without a stock market without any of that then you'll be like holy shit like the the the, the things that can that can be done now on the web is and that's the concept of web3 are a completely new shift in the way we can function on the internet and that's what's happening right now beyond just collectibles and art well and you, you talk about collectibles and art right and and to me it seems like those are sort of and they're most synonymous to me as, as a real world example of they're like they're a digital version of baseball cards or something right like or beanie babies or, or whatever kind of collectible things but to me it, i think the best representation is something like baseball cards and by the way i have a giant box of baseball cards in my basement from when i was a little kid i have no idea what's in there and maybe there's like a billion dollars of the baseball cards in there i don't know but uh too bad it's not like a billion dollars of the crypto punks i guess but it's just it's crazy to me that people buy jpegs and you talk about the ownership of them and nfts but when you really look under the covers of nfts right at, at really at the end of the day they're just a pointer to an image file somewhere right like the, the token itself just says you own this url which a lot of times uh with nfts that url is actually hosted on google cloud or amazon or whatever um it's like you, you think you own a crypto punk or whatever, but you really just own a URL to some file somewhere that somebody potentially could change the file, right? Now, there there's different ways that all that stuff is done, but it's it's just most people have no idea how it really works under the covers either. Yeah, so so the, the issue you mentioned now is, is something that uh, is pretty funny thinking about it. You'll find a lot of similar issues in, in you know the concept of digital ownership, including, let's say, art and collectibles. Because, um, you know, it's very, very early, you know, early days of the internet, you're like, you know, who's going to sit there uh, turning on a computer for 10 minutes to send an email, we can just write a letter and post and mail fax something a lot quicker. And that was in the early days of the internet. So you'll find a lot of um, shortfalls, a lot of issues in NFTs. And they're all being, you know, they're all, you know, ones that we, we know in the space. For example, an image hosted on um, on a centralized on AWS on a centralized entity, the whole concept of NFTs is digital ownership. You don't need third parties, but then the image is sitting right. on a third party server. Yeah, but, yeah. So there's already solutions to that. There's IPFS. I invested in Filecoin years ago, where it's hosted on a decentralized network where technically no one owns it. So it's no longer pointing to an image on a third party uh, server that you know the server could go down or the owner could remove the image and not pay the fees. Right. Because that that obviously is just complete stupidity. Um, but look, I'm 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 deep in the NFT space. I'm the CEO of a company called NFT Tech. I'm, you know, I should be like the the expert in the space. And I own personally, I own just a crypto punk because I like it. But I don't own anything else. Like I don't own any apes. I don't own any punks anymore. I've sold everything. I don't own any art, digital art, just because I think it's just not as exciting. But I own a lot of NFTs, but none of them are art or collectibles. I probably should buy a few, and I'll buy a few when the hype settles. But I'm I'm looking at the you know, NFTs open up the concept of the metaverse um, and, you know, they're both very intertwined once you understand uh, what NFTs are. Because in the metaverse, you need so, to have own stuff. So so tell us more about your company, NFT Tech. And it, it looks like you guys, did you start out as kind of like a investment fund or, or hedge fund or whatever that basically took a bunch of investors' money and bought a bunch of 
NFTs and metaverse property and stuff like that? Is, is that is that kind of the origin of it? Yeah, so so we didn't start out as such. We started from the beginning as a company wanting to go public, and we got the you know we reserved the ticker NFT to go public on the stock market. So that was goal from the beginning. Which stock and, market, uh, by the way? Uh, Neo, like, Neo, huh? Neo, Canada. So uh, Neo, Canada, Canada. Okay. Yeah. So then we go to. It will take us longer to get to the US, so it'll take at least a year, and it's a long process. And then uh, the goal of NFT Tech is is buying up a lot of these NFT assets. Again, I'm not putting any money in art and collectibles, to be clear. Um, but so you're talking but, more about the marketplaces themselves instead of the not even so that. About- like, not even that. Like, is, is this so fascinating? Like, you can so the metaverse, for example, uh, the, the whole digital world we live in. I'm not going to go deep into it. For that world to exist, a decentralized digital world, you have to own stuff. Whether you own a spaceship in a game and you use that spaceship to play the game to earn money, because you can earn money in those decentralized worlds and to build the whole community. You know, mm-hmm. for gamers, you know, it might relate to them. For people that are not in the gaming space, and I'm not from the gaming space, this might sound a bit weird in the beginning. But like, you know, assets within games is something we look at. You can look at, uh, you know, digitizing real estate, turning it into an NFT. You can turn identity into NFT. You can turn financial instruments into NFTs. So I look at other applications of NFTs. Uh, they they interest me tremendously. But I also look at the picks and shovels approach. So, um, uh, you know, buying up marketplaces is something we look at, not NFT and art and collectible marketplaces, because I just think it's too crowded. But you know, I'm looking at social tokens where, people, where you can tokenize someone's reputation. But I'm really, I'm really hyped up about <clears throat> hyped up about the metaverse, okay. and, uh, and what you can own within the metaverse, that digital world, which are NFTs. You know, I think NFTs make up so, the, like the atomic unit of the metaverse. So what? So what are some of the bigger investments and in, in holdings then of of your of your company, like do you guys own a lot of land and Decentraland or Sandbox or things like that? Or cool, uh, I'm glad you know the space well. Um, yeah, so so Decentraland and Sandbox, um, we're involved in those, but we haven't purchased assets or land there yet. Okay, but we we will be soon. Um, we've been focusing more on on finding the next Decentraland or Sandbox, and we're invested in projects. There's one called Blocktopia, um, and mm-hmm. that we're invested in. Um, there's one invest called Cytus Heroes that are invested in Genopets. There's a few others. You know, I'm throwing names out there for people to Google and, and like learn about them. But they're they're projects that we they're they're early. You know, Blocktop has already grown tremendously. It's not early anymore, and um and we're buying assets in those because we think they're undervalued. Um and then eventually we'll be buying a lot of um you know land and and decentralized and sandbox and then we buy a lot. We focus a lot on the gaming metaverses rather than the the metaverses that are more similar to the real life. We think gaming is going to be the first step in the adoption cycle of the metaverse. You know, gamers have been living in a digital world or they, you know, since they started gaming. So like the metaverse makes sense to them. Um, so that's where we're focusing. So is your guys' end goal by, by creating this fund and, and going public, you know, at some point in time in the future, you know, with the NFT ticker and stuff, making it easier for somebody like me to be like, you know, I just want to, you know, invest in the NFT space and all this, but I don't really understand it. And that gives me exposure to that, you know, type of asset class. Is, is that ultimately the goal? Yeah. So, so, you know, absolutely right. Without me explaining it, you got it pretty quickly because, you know, going into the space and, you know, you made the joke about people buying CryptoPunks on eBay, which is insane. But it's like extreme, extreme case scenario. But they, they, people don't understand what NFTs are and, and the potential of them. So we're like, all right, we'll leave it with us. You know, I've been in crypto for a long time. We have a, a team of people that are very involved in the space. Um, and, you know, all these traditional investors and retail investors will just buy the stock. That's our goal. Um, right. We'll buy the stock on the market. It's kind of like being able to buy Bitcoin, uh, but buying MicroStrategy or whatever, right? Like MicroStrategy, yeah, exactly. the company owns like billions of dollars in Bitcoin. So it's like if you buy stock and MicroStrategy, you're really buying Bitcoin indirectly. Exactly. And then what happens is like the valuation of the, like you could, it's cheaper to buy Bitcoin than to buy the equivalent in MicroStrategy stock. Um, because, you know, a lot, and, and that was interesting because a lot of people wanted exposure to the space. And that was in the early Bitcoin days. Now it's really easy to buy Bitcoin. Everyone right. can. But in the early days, it was more difficult and people were a bit more scared. And then um, funds and stuff didn't know how to put it on their balance sheets. So buying MicroStrategy stock just made more sense for them. Um, and then the valuation just went up like an index fund of Bitcoin. Right. Um, you know, if you had an index fund, it would be valued more. Um, so we're doing the same thing, but for the NFT in the metaverse space. So so how do people track their assets? Like if they buy a bunch of different NFTs, 
and you can buy them across multiple blockchains, by the way. So a lot of our listeners may not be very familiar with this, but there, you know, you go back like 18 months ago, two years ago, mostly there was, you know, of course you have Bitcoin, but then Ethereum was the, the big blockchain that was used for smart contracts. But over the last 12 to 18 months, now there's like 20 more of them and probably like a hundred more of them that I don't know the names of, but I could probably name 15 or 20 of them. Um, and it's like, how, how do you buy all these NFTs across all these different things and track them, know what they're worth? Like, I feel like I'm buying, you know, baseball cards and they'd be in a bunch of random drawers all over my house. Like, how would you track all this stuff? Yeah, so so it's another one of those issues because it's so early, it's all scattered. Uh, I think interoperability will be a big thing in the next few years where all these different blockchains will become interoperable. There'll be a few winners, of course, and each blockchain will have its own use case. Now, we're talking to a metaverse project that's deciding between, I think it was Flow, Polygon, and Hedera. Uh, you know, they're discussing those three. Uh, we kind of decided on either Hedera or Polygon. Um, but then, you know, we look at Polygon as the metaverse uh, blockchain so that each blockchain will have its own use case now to go to your question about having these nfts on these different blockchains you know you know just look at the blockchains that that um uh you know are gaining the most traction right now which obviously is ethereum right um, but if you get other nfts on blockchains that are gaining traction that are very early it's a bigger gamble because the blockchain could fail like many failed since 2017 you know eos is a great example hasn't failed but it's not doing too well um and then but if it succeeds you know you came in really early and you benefited uh, but there's also marketplaces. You know, there's one called NF Trade that we're invested in. It's an NFT marketplace. I think it was mainly focused on Algorand NFTs, I think. Um, I think it's Algorand. And, um, but they allow interoperability between different blockchains. You can list and trade NFTs from different chains, which is really cool. So for the, for the, for the audience listening now, if you go on like, like a platform for NFT tra- NF Trade, uh, if you go on that platform and you buy an NFT on Ethereum, you'll be able to trade it on an NFT on Algorand. But for you, you wouldn't know. You just trade two NFTs because like that one over the other. Um, but it's still very early. And, that, and that, that's another reason why the retail market doesn't know where to start. I get people every day. You know, I told you I travel to dance. Yeah. Every freaking time I go to dance, people are coming to me. They know because I'm in NFTs. Hey, should I buy these monkey NFTs? I'm like, fuck, what monkey NFTs, man? You have, <laughs> don't, don't, don't buy any NFTs because it, it, just, it just shows that la- lack of knowledge means they're the ones that end up losing money and the people within in the space make you know, the money. It, it, uh, the same story, like it blows me away. I see random family members and I ask them about, you know, cryptocurrency or Bitcoin or whatever. And they'll tell me like, oh yeah, I bought some crypto. I downloaded Robinhood and I bought a few thousand dollars worth of Dogecoin. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Of like all the stuff you possibly could have done. Like it's the same story of like, I bought NFTs and I, and I bought the squiggly lines. Have you have I saw an NFT collection a couple days ago that was nothing but squiggly lines that were different colors. And I'm like, who buys this shit? Like I, I just like blows my mind. I don't understand. Yeah, so so I think the concept of NFTs now, all that art, there's two things to them. Um smart money's going after quote unquote collectibles, which I think like, you know, in a few decades when NFTs become a normal part of life, you'll find those early NFTs being like, you know, they were one of the early ones, you know. In anything, really, the first gun ever used in the world would probably be in a museum somewhere. The first sure. car ever is in a museum. The so crypto punks will forever be exactly, exactly. Like, like crypto, crypto punks, board apes, fidanzas, all these early, early NFTs. Um, many of them they consider blue chips. They're already really expensive. Um, now they might correct and stuff, but long term, I'm pretty bullish on them. But then you get all these other art. It's purely degenerate gamblers playing money. Playing with their money. That's it. What, Either degenerate gamblers or pump and dumpers. That's it. Well, and the other ones I think that are weird is you get these people that take like a tweet or a meme or something like that, and then they sell the and the rights to the meme or whatever. I guess like yeah, it just some of this just blows me away because at the end of the day they're just JPEGs, right? Like my uh, avatar on Twitter is a bored ape. I didn't buy it. I don't know. I didn't spend two hundred thousand dollars for it, but I just download the JPEG file and upload it as my picture on yeah, Twitter, but right? Just, but yeah, I would, I would, I would correct you there because, um, not correct you. I would agree, uh, but I would kind of take it. I, I have, I'll have you look at it in a different way. You know, there's a Mona Lisa sitting in 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 Louvre, mm-hmm. but I can have a Mona Lisa in my house right now. Downstairs, I'm saying at a, at a friend's house, he's got all these beautiful paintings. They're originals. But anyone, I could just take a photo of it and put it in another apartment, but it's worthless because it's not the original. It's the same thing with Bored Ape. So if someone goes to your profile, they'll see your Bored Ape, but they can verify, and Twitter puts like a 
it, sure. it checked yeah. to verify. So, yeah. Make it a hex, no, a hexagon. Yeah, exactly. So, so if you have an a, a, a unverified board ape and then someone checks and finds out, hey, this is actually just a copy paste, from a signaling perspective, it's not a good look. Now, not yet. It's very early now. It could actually look pretty dope. Like, hey, man, you know, like, like could be like an anti-movement, like, you know, fuck this trend. Fuck, and sorry for cursing. I don't know if I can, but screw these, this trend and the board apes. But then if someone has a real one on their profile, it's a good signal. It's like driving a Rolls Royce or wearing a Rolex. So um, there is, you know, it, it, the concept of just copy pasting is what, you know, the hurdle that many people need to get over because you can copy paste uh, the Mona Lisa. So doesn't mean that all these are, are legitimate. Every tweet that gets turned into an NFT is legitimate. Um, it just means that uh, there will be some, you know, if you manage to get the first letter written by, you know, Lincoln, the first letter he wrote, or his his uh, whatever speech when he was uh, when he became president. If you had the physical copy, that'd be pretty dope. Now you can have the same thing digitally. So you have the you know uh, the first tweet by the founder of Twitter. You can actually own that tweet because he sold the rights to it. Mm -hmm. Now it's very early. Like, what do these rights mean? How does it work? Etc. What says I own it? He turned it into an NFT. But like later, what it could mean is that this is this is he turned it into an NFT once. And that NFT is owned by someone. So these are actually the rights because he said they're the rights. So as, as we start to accept the concept of digital ownership, the concept of owning things like pictures and videos and tweets and quotes and stuff in the digital world will become closer and closer to owning the same thing in the physical world. But it no, will I, take time. I, and I, I think you're right. And by the way, I, I need to uh, remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build software team quickly and affordably which could be software for tracking NFTs. Whatever you want to build, we can help you do it. We've got a huge team of, of developers ready to go. So you you bring up a really good point because you bring, you get, bring the example of like the Mona Lisa or you know the Declaration of Independence or any of those things, right? Like anybody could take a picture of the Mona Lisa. Like I could take a picture of the Mona, of Mo, the Mona Lisa or Starry Night or name any famous art. I could just take a picture of it. Right. And I could print out the, the picture on canvas, probably online for like $100 and hang it on my wall. But it's not the real thing. Right. It's, it's not the original. And, you know, I guess with anything that would be considered a collectible or art, it's it's only worth what people perceive it to be worth and, and the demand for, for buying it. Right. Like if nobody wanted to buy the original Mona Lisa, it wouldn't be worth anything either. And but but you're right. There, there's a certain. And there's a certain, it's different of owning the original Mona Lisa than it would be saying like, well, I own a copy of it. You know, I scanned it and I just printed it. it that nobody would, nobody would see value in it. Now, at the same time, like I don't see value in my mom's Beanie Baby collection either. Like when she dies, I will just throw them in a dumpster. So everybody perceives perceives this different. Like everybody's interested in different things and everybody would, would argue that things are more valuable than others, right? I'm sure in her will, she thinks the Beanie Babies are worth more than the house. But it's just interesting. But you bring up a really good point of like, you know, even physical art, people could make a copy of it, but that doesn't mean that the copy's worth anything. Um, but it, to me, it, it still largely feels like like speculation. Very speculative. Very, very. Because um, So I've got two things to say. I'm not an art collector um i used to collect stamps and stuff and coins when i was much younger when i was a kid but I, i'm not a collector and i find art to be such a waste of of energy and and time and and i just find it to be really silly i, I don't like art at all um so just to be clear we're on the same page here and then you know what is something worth is what the market values it yeah, at absolutely so, are all these stupid pictures on, on in NFT pictures worth what they say? No. But as I said, a lot of them are degenerates and speculators and people are not too educated buying them up because they think any monkey is the same as a board ape. Um, so, and these are the people not, not too educated about the space. And then speculators want to try to flip it because there's so much liquidity and degenerate gamblers just have nothing to do. And, you know, some of them make good money. They, they're good at flipping it and they get early access. Um but will some, what will these be? What will what will these be worth? You know, I have to. I'm going to deploy capital. I'm going to buy some of these collectibles and art when the hype dies down. But how do I look at the space? So I look at the two things I look for to, to determine what gives it value. I, I had a few speeches about this. First one I look at is the community. You know, something like board apes have a really powerful community. A lot of celebrities are board board apes, and you know they're forming these groups, these get-togethers. So I see board apes as a ticket to this community that could evolve into something much bigger, which is really cool. Game. Yeah. So board apes is really is much easier to see the value because of the community aspect. 
Um, then you look at others that don't have that community. What I look for with something that hasn't built that community is the story behind it. Like CryptoPunks being one of the first ever NFT um, avatars and collectibles. Um, you know, um, you see one of the first, you know, the first people, for example, people has a really good story of having done hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of pieces of art. And then he's one of the early artists that brought NFTs to the mainstream. That's a story that will stand the test of time. So I see people's work to be, you know, having a good solid story behind it. Um, so as I look at more, um, you know, more pieces of, of NFT art, I look at the story behind them in the community to determine if they have value. Um, and that's where I know that definitely over 99% uh, are worthless or close to worthless. Well, and, and to me, a lot of it just seems like speculation. You, There's got to be thousands of NFT projects that launch every day. And you see places like, so the, for those who are listening, you know, one of the largest marketplaces is OpenSea. Oh, it's O-P-E-N. S-E-A, OpenSea.io, is one of the largest marketplaces to to buy NFTs, and, and there are others. But it, it seems, uh, the, and what I was going to say is they would tell you that like 80 or 90% of all the stuff that gets listed on there is copies and fraud and stuff like that. Because like I could, I could go down to my basement, right? And I could scan all those baseball cards and I could make NFTs out of every one of them. Be like, it's Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie card now is an NFT or whatever, right? Like, and I'm sure tops, you know, baseball cards would come back around later and be like, okay, that no. Like I, I read something about Magic the Gathering cards. Somebody had made NFTs of Magic the Gathering cards. Like, and you get people that copy board apes and crypto punks that just like reverse them or just download the images and re-upload them and then try and sell them. Like you get countless, you know, kind of uh, scam like and fraud that's out there. Yeah, it's very easy to create an NFT. Like for anyone listening, it's so damn easy and do one. I should probably do one myself, like just for fun, not sell it, but just to see the process and how easy it is. You just got to get nice digital art and just post it on OpenSea. The process is extremely simple. Yeah. Let's say it's like creating a website. All of us can create a website. You can create a hundred websites. doesn't mean that website will have value. Um, you know, in the dot-com era, everyone will create a website, you know, put a business plan together and raise money and try to go public and get some money with something. That's where NFTs are right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> NFTs is the same thing. Anyone just created NFTs is even worse because there's no, you know, people are just buying it directly on OpenSea. There's you don't need the business plan or anything. You just need a fake story and that's it, or or story behind it. Uh, so we'll see a lot of these NFT projects either they're pure scams or, or rug pulls and and they'll immediately go to you know go to zero very quickly, or they're people actually trying to build something. But as soon as the market corrects and like holy crap, there's not much money now. There's no one's interested. Um, maybe I should just stop and take my money instead of using that money to build a business like I promised. I'm just going to walk away and I made some money selling them. So um, even like, you know, good-hearted entrepreneurs will be like, hey, it's not worth it. And then, you know, put the ethics out of the window. So yeah, it's going to be a, a shit show soon in my opinion. So Go ahead. I was going to say, so we've talked a lot about the arts and collectible side of it. I'm, I'm kind of curious, you know, for, for your guys' company and, and your, um, you know, portfolio of assets, you know, what are some of the other big, NFT spaces that are out there. And I think there's, there's some other really interesting ones. We talked about the metaverse and, and stuff too, but like, are you familiar with, um, with what Snoop Dogg just did with, with his album release and um, Death Row Records is doing and all that stuff? Uh, I heard something recently. He's done a few things. Can you tell me which one? Um, and I, and I'm not, I don't remember the exact details of it, but he re he released his album and he, I think he was selling NFTs for like $5,000 a piece or something. And it was like 10,000 pieces of his album or something like that. And um, he raised like, I thought it was like $40 million the week after the Super Bowl. And, uh, and so I think part of that is through like Gala Music. Is that part of, is that one of the, uh, the marketplaces? Are you familiar with that? It's yeah, just yeah. interesting what, my point is, it's interesting what musicians are trying to do. Um, you hear a lot about musicians are making more money from their NFTs than they would make, you know, from their, from their album deals. And I was just curious, you know, do you do you know much about the music part of this? No, so I was talking to, there's, there's a big name in the space called Anamoka Brands, and they're looking very heavily into the music space. So we're going to start, and we're talking about K-pop and, and, you know, getting K-pop into the metaverse. Uh, I think selling NFT versions of, uh, of, of, of your album, I think it's interesting because you can break up. So whenever you buy a, a song on a, on a decentralized platform, I, I don't know how Gala works, and I've talked to some in the early days. So that was a concept I looked at in the early days. No, I'm too deep into, into the metaverse. And then you can, you, when you buy a song, an NFT version of the song, instead of buying it on Spotify, and Spotify makes the money, you kind of get a piece of the, 
your royalty from everyone else buying a song. So you get a piece of the song. Um, so let's say someone launches a song and you get an NFT representing royalty in that song. If you think the song will, will do well, not only can you listen to the song because you like it, but you get a piece of the revenue it generates as more people buy it and listen to it on platforms. I don't know if that's how Gala works. Um, but what interests me in what uh, artists are doing is they're creating, you know, I'll, I'll start digging into the metaverse and I'll link it to music because you're starting to have those metaverses around, you know, around K-pop, you have one around hip-hop, around particular celebrities. And, you know, first what the metaverse is for anyone listening, it's a, it's a, the way I describe it, it's like a digital representation of the physical world we live in today. And then you take out physics, so without predetermined physics. So the first part is digital representation of the physical world. Well, it's pretty easy to understand. You look at how we live life here, and you can live a similar life in the, in the digital world. Um, and then you take out physics because there's no physics, you know, that you can, you can teleport, you can fly, you know, yeah. you can do anything you want. It's all within the code of the metaverse. So, and if you, you haven't watched Ready Player One, just watch the first maybe five, 10 minutes of it, just the intro. And it gives you an idea of how the world could look. A uh, very good idea. Uh, and it will be decentralized thanks to NFTs. So it will be literally like Earth where you can own stuff, you can operate, you can move from one metaverse to another. And, and where music is interesting is that not only can you have concerts in the metaverse and that's already happening, but you can also move, you can also have like different metaverses. Anyone can create a metaverse, like anyone can create an NFT, like anyone can create a website. What gives value to a metaverse is adoption, people using it. So you can have a metaverse around K-pop. You go in there, you can meet your celebrities, you can interact with others in that community because metaverses are, are just communities of people. Same way, you know, you know, Instead of going to a Discord and, chat or something like that, you're going to a... A metaverse, yeah, exactly. A metaverse, like, yeah. You know, Discord is, itself is a metaverse, the same way Facebook changed to meta. Discord, TikTok, YouTube, Zoom. I find all these to become eventually grow into the metaverse, we imagine. Yeah, they're communities in the digital world. And and that's what the metaverse is. It's a digital representation of the physical world where socializing and signaling and building communities uh, and experiences is what makes up our world, a big part of our world in the physical world. So the same is going to happen virtually. Uh, and in the music space, you can have, a, yeah, as I said, like a K-pop metaverse where you can have concerts, meet your, your favorite celebrities, meet others that share those some, same values. It can start trading collectibles of those K-pop artists as NFTs. So, um, yeah, that that's like gives you an idea of what how I think the, the space will head in the next five years. Um, but we're, we're focused a lot on gaming now, as I said earlier, I think in the intro, because um, I think this is like how the space is starting out, like the, the first so what- adopters in the metaverse. So what's a good example of using NFTs in games? And and let me pre, and let me add to that, you know, why why is the blockchain needed for that? And so for example, you know, you can play Fortnite and you can buy skins and you can buy, you know, dances and all this stuff and you don't need the blockchain for that, right? The blockchain is absolutely not required. So what is it about the blockchain that provides, you know, some additional power there for for these types of games perfect question man um so if if fortnite you know goes bankrupt in five years time all the skins that you've purchased all the value that you built your your reputation um the the relationships everything you built on fortnite is gone with the platform or if you break their terms of service they can disable your account you lose everything but I'm sure if I watch something on this phone that I'm not meant to watch, Samsung's not going to come and take my phone the same way a game could come in and take your assets because I own it. Mm-hmm. But in Fortnite, you don't own your assets. So that means if Fortnite goes to zero, the zero the assets go to zero too because Fortnite is no longer there to say that you own them and to have utility anywhere. That's number one. But number two, which is a lot more interesting, is interoperability, where the assets on a decentralized game on the blockchain could become interoperable with other decentralized games on the blockchain. That means you can go from one game to another with the same assets, the same way I'm going to go from from Morocco to Dubai with this phone. It's my asset. So let's say you Mm -hmm. have a spaceship in a game called Sidus Heroes, and then you go to another game called Star Atlas. They're both games on the blockchain. That spaceship can go to Star Atlas, and you could use it there. Maybe the utility will change in some ways to fit the game and what the game is about and how the game works and the the game mechanics. But the spaceship could go from one place to another. So can your team. You can move your players from one to another, along with their guns and their. Let's say they mine some ore and and build some some assets. So now some can of them you do that today. Them. No, no, it's too early. No way. Like the games haven't even launched. Sidus, I think just launched the beta. Well, it, version. I mean, to me, or usually that. those assets are very tied to the game, right? Like so, Axie Infinity is one of the largest games, and if you own 
SLP, which is the smooth love potions or whatever, or you own characters in Axie Infinity, like they're not good in any other game, right? It's all specific to that game. So it's the same thing. If Axie Infinity shut down, you lost, you would lose whatever you have. And, but the metaverse part of this is interesting. Like, can you transfer assets from one metaverse to another? So for example, you have these people that will spend like crazy amounts of money to buy shoes or purses or things like that in the metaverse to decorate your avatar, right? But do those assets transfer from one metaverse to another? Yeah, so so I'll, I'll go to the first point about if it actually goes to zero, the assets don't necessarily go to zero, at least almost not there yet. It's getting closer and closer where even if Axie or the founders go to zero, firstly, Axie itself can't go to zero unless the community decides not to use it anymore. Like there's no company that can go bankrupt because of mismanagement or whatever. But then you can actually have those assets, you own them, those NFTs, those Axies, you own them. So anyone could build a new blockchain, a new game and say, hey, I built a new game. This is how it works. Come bring your Axies there. And you have 10 people do that, 20 people do that. And now your axes are interoperable among all those games, and each game will have its own rules on what you can do with so those as long axes. as they, as long as you they, own them. They're as long as wallet. they write code around that NFT exactly. contract exactly. Uh, has some capability, then they can look for that NFT contract or whatever exactly. and like import those contracts into their game. Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's, a, there's a good experiment being done called Loot. And Loot is essentially a bunch of basic, basic, um, you know, it's essentially words and each one represents an item. That's it. And then the community, they, they did it as an experiment. Each one's an NFT and the community is building a whole game around it. Everyone's building different games and similar to Roblox. Anyone can build a game on Roblox yeah. and each, different ones will get adoption. So with Axie, you can have different members of the community build up their own games. Now, again, it's way too early to see this in, in, on a practical level, but this is where it's working towards and where the space is heading to. And that's why there's so much money flowing into those. You know, these are smart investors. They that's what they expect to happen. Um, now you asked the other question about you know with other metaverses or other games, uh, can you do that again? Not yet, because it's very complex. Each each game has its own game economy. Yeah. Uh, to to add another asset, they they're still trying to figure out their own economy, and that's really complex. To add another asset from one game into this game, it, it, I think it's at least five at least five years away from seeing at least you know some basic aspect of that, and then well. You know, and- even and, and all this makes sense to me. I mean, I'm I'm 40 years old, but 25 years ago, maybe a little more than 25 years ago, I used to play text-based games online over a modem, right? Over 25 years ago, like like Dungeons and Dragons kinds of game, except, you know, I'm typing on the keyboard, you know, walk forward, walk left, walk right, attack monster, pick up the gold, right? But hey, if you had the best sword, you could kill monsters a lot faster, right? And I actually bought, I think for like, 50 bucks back then a sword from somebody else in the real world and they sent it to me right and i get that um the blockchain and or some of these other games themselves are making it easier now for players to buy stuff from each other but that concept has existed for a long time it's just dramatically easier today and like i said i did that like 25 years ago yeah, so you can buy assets. So that's why I didn't mention the concept. A lot of people like to mention it. Like now on the blockchain, anyone can buy your assets. You can trade them. Yeah. You can tra- that's not too hard to build on a centralized platform. I always look at, okay, what are the benefits that blockchain brings? Exactly. And which ones can actually be done today? Then those ones are not that interesting because they can be done today. Interoperability, where different games work together, um, that can be done today. You can have different games make a deal and work together. But it's still dependent on those central entities making a deal with their financial incentives not aligned with the community. Whereas a decentralized game, it's a community that builds it. It's a community that makes the, you know, if you go out and build different games for Axie, the the the, the community that goes to adopt that game, they get a piece of it. So with Axie, the profits, are, and that's why people play the game to make money, are distributed among the players. So it's a, it's a kind of a, a paradigm shift in how it's all structured from centralized entities doing JVs and agreements on how things should work and still controlling those assets, having some sort of control to a community where anyone could build anything. Anyone could build a game that works with Axie, that's interoperable with Axie. That's where it's heading. But not anyone could build a game that's interoperable with Blizzard's game, whatever, uh, you know, let's say uh, Counter-Strike or whatever, because Counter-Strike needs to agree to allow the assets to be interoperable. But if you've got Axie, for example, you got an, an Axie and Axie Infinity, it's an ERC twenty. Oh no! It, yeah, it's on the it's on the it's, not, it's on the Polygon. No, it's on the on their own blockchain. Uh, but it's on the ERC twenty protocol, and any game could use that protocol and allow those assets to be used there. And you talked about having accessories 
on um yeah on on on, on an avatar that's probably the easiest one to start having interoperable. You can move from Decentraland to Sandbox to Blocktopia to others, wearing your Gucci bag to show that you're rich. Well, uh, okay, so one of the final things I, I definitely want to ask about as we you know start to wind down this episode today, and, and once again, this episode is brought to you by Fullscale.io, hoping you can build software teams quickly and affordably, is how do you feel about Meta, you know, Facebook, and where they're going with this metaverse and, and all and all this stuff. And first of all, I think it's absolutely hilarious that in their version of the metaverse, people don't even have legs. No, I didn't see that. Um, there are no legs because the software developers aren't sure how to make the legs work. Like no other video game in the last 30 years hasn't had game. Like, like everybody knows, like make freaking legs in a video game. Like I understand. But yeah, there are no legs in uh, Horizons. Yeah, but I what, think it's, yeah, because I think they wanted to interact. Like when you wear the Oculus, you can use your hands to operate. Right. You can use your, but I don't know why they can't put something on the legs. Um, maybe they're worried it's crazy. You know, to be able. I'm just gonna guess here. Maybe because you know Oculus, I punched the wall once when I first got an Oculus on day one because I moved around too much and I had the mm. Oculus thing and I was playing the boxing game and I punched the wall. So maybe if you move your legs too much, it could cause safety risk. I could be completely off. Maybe technological issue. But in terms of changing the name to Meta. Um, freaking genius i think that's really smart and it makes a lot of sense um, now a lot of people in crypto hate the, the fact that they did that and they're owning the word um you know from an from a business perspective i think it's a very smart move you know facebook is a dying platform they got uh you know an, an immense immense community uh, a lot of users so they're perfectly positioned to build an incredible metaverse and i'm pretty confident they will they've got the money to spend they've got the people there um now does it worry me about them controlling the metaverse no because Anyone that understands how the metaverse works, you know, Amazon and Facebook and and, and uh, YouTube and TikTok control most of the web. Most people go on the web and they use, you know, go on your phone, you use five, six apps at most. But there's hundreds of thousands of apps, if not millions. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's the same thing, you know, this human nature. It's the same thing is going to happen on the metaverse. The metaverse itself, I like to call it the multiverse. As a technology is decentralized, the same way anyone can create a website, anyone can create an app, anyone can create a metaverse, including Facebook. Um, so them creating a metaverse, um, is not a bad thing. People will go use it and people don't like it. They'll go use another one. Um, now people that are really against centralization, they don't like the fact that Facebook will have some, or meta will have so much power in that new virtual world. But what did you expect? You know, humans are in the physical world. Humans will be in the virtual world. So the imperfections of humanity will exist, exist in both paradigms. But I, I always feel like the percentage of people that actually care about, decentralization has got to be like less than 1%. Very little, very little. Like, like my kids play Roblox and Minecraft. I mean, they would play all these games, these blockchain. They wouldn't give two shits about what, you know, blockchain it used, if it was decentralized. And they don't care about anything. They just want to play the game. They don't care. But software engineers and, and some of us that are in the community, like we get overly worked up about it. Yeah, look, I don't get too worked up about it, but many do. Uh, Libertarians, uh, I'm, I'm pronouncing it right. Libertarians say it, say it in front Libertarians. Yeah, they, they they take it very seriously, um, you know, for ideological reasons. Sure. Um, I think it's what will really allow for mass adoption is not the, the fact that it's decentralized, but the values it brings because it's decentralized. Okay, now I can own my assets in the virtual world the same way I can own them here. Like I own my toy here and I can go from country to country with my favorite toy. I can buy my favorite gun in the game and move to different games using that gun. So that concept of interoperability will be great. The metaverse will not all be decentralized. I like to call it the multiverse, which is like many metaverses exist. I've never heard anybody refer to use the word multiverse in relation to the metaverses, but I think I think that's a that's a great term to use. I think you're absolutely right. And what the thing that I don't understand is why people spend so much money on land in these games is because it, in reality there's like unlimited land. Yeah, no, there is an unlimited land. I, 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 the first part of what you said. I'm a like, software oh, developer. I know there's unlimited land. I can teleport anywhere. Yeah. So, so what I mean by this is, on, on these, there's unlimited land. The same way there's unlimited websites, but it doesn't yeah. mean Facebook is not valuable because there's anyone could copy Facebook. So, um, land is worthless unless someone's using that metaverse where the land exists. Yeah. So there is unlimited land, but it doesn't give it all value. So on Decentraland, which is one of the top metaverses that will have most likely a lot of adoption, um, that land is limited. And the only way to create more land is, is if owners of existing land vote for more land to be created. <laughs> so in that sense, it's not unlimited within Decentraland. 
Now, if anyone, the same way there's, you know, it's like saying Ethereum is worthless because anyone could copy Ethereum. No, because sure. none of them have the adoption. So the adoption is what counts. Um, and, and so I wanted to touch on that. But I think like land, the use case of land will change. Like people are buying land because they're meant to own land. No, like you don't need to sleep, go to the toilet and eat in the metaverse. You can just <laughs> sign out of the platform. So people need to start looking yeah, at why it. Why do we a, own land there? Yeah, like if you own land, there should there be a use case to it beyond building a house to meet people because it doesn't make sense. Um, but yeah, so, so I think the way we look at the metaverse will change over time. And and the reason I like to use the word multiverse, because I think there'll be centralized metaverses because there's a lot of benefits to centralized metaverses. And a lot of us don't mind if they're centralized. There'll be decentralized metaverses and there'll be a hybrid of both where it will be centralized in some aspects. It will be run by a company like Facebook Meta. But it will also have decentralized aspects. We can own your assets on there and move them from. You can you can move your assets. You can move your Axie from Axie Infinity and their metaverse because they're expanding to a metaverse. You can move your Axie from there to Meta's uh, Meta's metaverse, uh, and it can well, follow you around. It, it's definitely an interesting world that we're going to. I mean, I'm one of those people that you know when I want to uh, chill on the couch at night and watch Netflix, I just want to do that. I don't want to have to like sign into the metaverse and then go watch. <laughs> they go like the, there, there's a point of insanity here where, where some people think this could go, but I definitely feel like um, virtual reality headsets like the Oculus uh, is super powerful. Like my kids have one and it is definitely totally different being able to use a, a, a virtual reality headset like that. And the feeling of it is so dramatically different than, you know, just playing a normal video game on a computer or Xbox or whatever. Like VR definitely changes the game where things feel so dramatically different and realistic. And I, you know, my, uh, meta Facebook was, you know, smart for, for buying them and, and what they've done with that. You know, like I think there was more Oculus headsets sold last year than Xboxes. That's like, insane. Great, insane. Yeah. But they're super cool. And they're only like $300, I think us dollars. Um, but we're still on the cutting edge of, of that, but you know, a, a lot of these metaverses don't actually use VR, right? Um, there's some that do, but I think the ones that do, I think in the, in the future will have very unique experiences. Like if I could use a VR headset and go into the metaverse and like get customer service, you know, or feel like I'm at a store, like I'm shopping like for shoes or I'm shopping for something and just the more realistic part of it is so dramatically different than just like watching a video about going to that same store. It's just totally different. Yeah. So the immersive nature of the metaverse will be I mean, interesting. It's going to be like, it, it, I mean, we're already in the metaverse. You know, when, when I'm talking to you on Zoom, I'm tuned out what's happening around me. I think you're the same. When, I'm, when I've am when i got three pairs of AirPods always with me, always wherever I go, uh, because I'm always tuned in. I'm listening, to, I'm talking to my team on WhatsApp, on YouTube, on Zoom, and I'm in that digital world already. So if you think about it, we are in the metaverse, but it's a very archaic version of it. Web two, I like to call it the Web two metaverse, where it's like you know, uh, you know, two way communication, but there's not much more to it. And now we're moving to Web three metaverse, where you can own things and be more immersive, etc. Uh, but Oculus is insane. Like I recommend anyone wanting to enter the space to buy one because it will change your. I've given it to a few people. I've bought a few to investors that want to understand the space, especially real traditional investors. And I remember one guy, really wealthy guy. I bought him an Oculus after meeting him. He's an Indian guy. And uh, he's like, um, hi, can you please, who owns who owns Oculus? I'm like, hey, man, like he wanted to buy it. I'm like, hey, man, yeah, I don't think you can buy Oculus. You know, Facebook owns it. Then he, now he wants to be a distributor. And he was like very, very, very traditional of an investor. But when they use the Oculus, it changes. Yeah. I'm like, holy shit, now I get it. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Well, thank you so much for uh, having you on the show today. And we're doing a whole series of uh, episodes about NFTs. I think we'll have a new uh, episode every week about NFTs covering different topics. And uh, glad to have you part of this and um, really love what you're doing and wish you guys all the best luck as you continue to create this NFT fund. And maybe one of these days I will, uh, I'll be an investor in it. I, as, as one last question, I'm kind of curious, like what kind of re return rates, you know, do you, foresee like investors getting that invest in a fund like yours yeah so obviously i can't i can't uh, do projections like this before my board kind of crucifies me but <laughs> sure yeah so so crypto the way i put it is crypto has the potential to get people go to go bankrupt if you don't understand the space oh yeah um, it's so easy to put your money you know be you know the the late person to put in the money before everyone dumps or, or to come in late after all the hype is gone um but at the same time if you're early You've seen it. Like if you look at returns, 
there's insane returns. And I'll talk on a personal level. There's a project called Blocktopia, um, the NFT tech invested. And um, but I'll just give you numbers to give you an idea of like the things you see in crypto. Blocktopia, it's, you're not going to believe this, man. From launch, two months later, two to three months later, they were at over 300 and something X. So that means you put That's in- That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So let me do some math. If you put in 100K times- And you, and you guys were 30, able to invest in the very beginning of that? Yeah, we invested privately. So we were sitting wow. at 330X. 100K is sitting at to three, one, two, $33 million. And I think it hit Blocktopia from memory. It hit like a five, 300X for IDO investors. For seed and private investors from memory, it hit like a- Four to five hundred x. That means like a hundred k investment is like fifty million dollars. That's um, crazy. It's insane numbers. Now it's corrected. I think now it's sitting at about hundred x. The market corrected, which is still insane. Still um, insane. So that's crypto for you. It's not. It's not easy to make money, but being early in the space and especially having that early access, and I've been in the space long enough to see this. Um, you know, gives you a really unfair advantage, and that's why when someone comes to me. You know, uh, just, uh, nothing to do with NFT tech. Just went on a personal level, like, Mario, should I go buy NFTs? I'm like, no. Unless you're going to go really deep in the space. And I had that last night. Unless you're going to go really deep in the space and understand the space and spend hours and hours and study it for weeks and months and build relationships. So you get in early. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be screwed. Likely going to be screwed. So that's my otherwise, otherwise, you end up like me that's figured out every way to lose money in crypto. <laughs> yeah, but it's insane. It's so easy to lose money. and People don't don't see that. Yep. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, any final words you want to want to tell our audience before we no, close guys, out here? Just be, be careful. Be careful. Obviously, on a business level, check out nfttech.com. So nfttech.com. Uh, I think you subscribe to a mailing list where we'll be sharing a lot of this insight. So if you want to hear more of me, what I have to say, uh, I'll be saying it on the on you know on the various channels that we have at NFT Tech. But on a personal level, just be really, really careful uh, of the space. You know, we might excite you with a lot of these things and, and where the space is heading, but you know, things could drop by ninety percent. You know, the, 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 I'll leave you with this. The human brain overestimates the short-term impact of innovation, but underestimates the long-term potential. Absolutely. So think about this for a while, and I think you'll understand what I'm trying to say. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. I hope this was very uh, informational, and look forward to all our other episodes we're doing on NFTs. Thank you, Mario, for coming by today. Cool, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.